Today we get to hear from John 13, 1 through 8. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Thank you, Forrest. Good morning. I want to share a story with you about my mom. It's a story that I've shared in the past, but it's one that has uh, incredible uh, significance to me. We, as a family, every Christmas, we would, we would go uh, into the city of San Francisco. And uh, our tradition was we would go and, and grab uh, some crab and some famous uh, sourdough bread, and we would go and sit on the wharf, uh, and there's a nice little area of grass uh, kind of by the water, and we'd sit there and enjoy, as a family, uh, crab and sourdough bread. And one Christmas in particular, as we were enjoying our time as a family, uh, what's typical in San Francisco in any big city is there's a lot of homeless people around, and, and you just get used to that, and, and you know that that's part of city life. But on this particular day, uh, as we were eating our crab, my mother uh, got up uh, from our midst. And she went over uh, to this man who she saw. He was sitting by himself uh, under a little tree on the grass. And she brought over uh, some sourdough bread and some crab and some juice. Uh, and she went to him. She told us a story later as we watched. His name was Carl, and he was, uh, he was beaten up um, the night before, uh, and he was badly, badly bruised and bloodied. And so my mother cleansed his face, and she said, would you like, uh, would you like some crab, uh, some sourdough? And he goes, I would love some. He goes, but I can't, I can't use my hands. They broke my hands. So my mom just took her time, just fed him crab and sourdough bread, slowly, because he was hurting, gave him drink. And we watched my mother that day. And for Carl, I know one thing for sure, uh, he saw Jesus that day. I tell that story, and I tell that story again, because it imprinted in my life. And that's exactly what Jesus did in the upper room. He loved his disciples to the end. 
He loved his disciples in such a way that it was meant to imprint their lives, to change them forever, to have them see Jesus in a whole new way, to understand their Lord and their Savior. It was meant in the washing of the disciples' feet to leave a mark as followers of Jesus Christ, something we cannot shake and something we must respond to. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you for your ministry to your disciples in the upper room that one evening on Thursday before you were about to go to the cross. I thank you how you set out an example for us, an indelible mark of who you are, of how you love us, and of how you long for us to love others. So, Father, teach us this morning, I pray. Show us what you have for us as we desire to follow you. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. It's Palm Sunday today, and we we remember Jesus riding in on the donkey. Everybody crying out, Hosanna. They were longing for a victorious king, weren't they? One who would deliver them from Roman oppression. One who would free them up from the weight of the Roman government. And yet, as we studied over a month ago in the Gospel of Mark about Palm Sunday... We remember that Jesus rode in, everybody gave him praise, but it really was no triumphant entry at all. He ends up at the end of the day, at the end of the road, coming into the temple. Who's there to greet him? Who's there to give him praise? Nobody. And so he surveys the temple, sees what's going on in his house, and then he goes back to Bethany. It wasn't a triumphal entry. People didn't understand what kind of Messiah he was. And Jesus kept trying to teach his disciples and you and me about who he is, what his kingdom will truly look like. And so on this Thursday, he washes his disciples' feet. This is known in in uh, Christian tradition as Monday Thursday. A lot of us go, what is that? Monday, Thursday. It's not Monday, Thursday. Sometimes we think, well, Monday through Thursday we'll follow Christ and then we get the weekend off. Monday, Thursday. Monday is Latin, mandatum, command. It reflects the new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so all throughout the world on Monday, Thursday, the Thursday before Christ went to the cross on Friday, Churches remember, and they enter into this new command, and they enter into foot washing of one another on Monday, Thursday. A command to follow the Lord, and a command, as Jesus says in John 13, to do likewise, wash as I have washed. Jesus will soon die on the cross again one more day. And so his words in the upper room on this Thursday are powerful. 
and we're meant to take them to heart. He's continuing to bring His disciples closer to Him to, to help them know what it means to, to bring the good news to a world who needs to know the love of God. Which is why God sent His Son, Jesus. He wants to remind them, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm sending you. You know, one of the things that you need to realize, as Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he's looking at them and he's preparing them for their future and bringing forth the good news that that he will die on the cross for their sins, all of the weight of sin will will be covered on the death of the cross by Jesus. And he will rise again, and as people come to know him and believe upon him, they will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he looks at his disciples, and here's the truth about that that group of ragamuffins. They were plan A. And here's what's true about you and me. Look at the people next to you. They're plan A. Jesus is sending us, and he's preparing us, and he's teaching our hearts about who he is, and he's sending us to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because the world is dying and hopeless, and they need to know the hope and the salvation of Jesus Christ. Your plan A. There is no plan B. And so receive that from Jesus. He longs to have you be part of his kingdom and his kingdom work. In verse 20 of John 13, it says this, Truly, truly, and that's extra emphasis, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, the disciples, and you and me, receives me, Jesus is saying. And whoever receives me, Jesus says, receives the one who sent me, the Father. On this most significant and weighty day preparing to go to the cross you would think that Jesus would have this big game plan alright fellas here's what we're going to do this is how the kingdom's going to come in and this is what it's going to look like so here's the big game plan are you ready and he lays aside his garments And he wraps a towel around himself. And he washes the disciples' feet. This is the game plan. I want you to know me, Jesus says. I want you to be sent out by me. Here's the game plan. And he shows them the full extent of his love by washing their feet. What's he teaching us? What is he trying to reveal about who he is and about his kingdom as he washes the disciples' feet. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians 2. I want you to have your finger in Philippians 2, as well as John 13. There's a beautiful layout of this passage, a wonderful wonderful comparison. As Jesus is teaching about his full extent of his love. John 13, 4 says, Jesus got up. Jesus, who sat at the right hand of God in heaven, got up from that place. 
And Philippians 2 says, And although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In John it says, He laid aside his garments. And Philippians 2.7 says, And he emptied himself. In John it says, He took a towel and he girded himself. And in Philippians 2.7 it says, He took the form of a bondservant. The Gospel of John says, He poured the water and washed and wiped their feet. And Paul in Philippians says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And in John verse 12, it says, He took his garments and he returned to his seat. He returned to his Father at his right hand. And Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore also God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and those who are on earth and under earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This wonderful parallel shows us this incredible picture all of the culmination of the mission of Jesus' life is played out in the washing of the disciples' feet. Mark 10.45 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for everybody. That's His mission. And as he is loving his disciples to the end in the washing of the feet, he wants them to know that. And so he offers this beautiful, humble act. The fully divine living out in the flesh and yet returning to the Father. He washed their feet and he put on the outer garments and resumed his place and he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? And he really wants us to understand this this morning as he washes feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and that's correct. I am. I'm your master. I am above you. But if I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, and here's the command, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you understand what I've done? As you understand my act of humble service, as you see who I am, and as you see how I'm loving you fully to the end, I want you to do likewise, followers of Jesus Christ. You know, we had a group of students, high school students, who went to Portland last summer to go serve those who were homeless and in need in the city of Portland. 
And they went and they served with a ministry called Bridgetown Ministries. And one of the ministries that Bridgetown has is that they go and they gather underneath the Burnside Bridge in Portland. And they feed the homeless and they wash their feet and they, they brush their hair and they give them clothes. And here's what's amazing. I found an article in USA Today that spoke of this ministry that was happening. Secular writer, but he experienced this. Let me share with you what he said. It's unbelievable. Tom Crattenmaker. I went there and I saw these men and women being ministered to, providing meals and shaves and haircuts, washing the homeless people's feet. And I was stunned. It was one of the most audacious acts of compassion and humility that I have ever witnessed. They would take warm water and scrub their feet and dry them and put powder upon them and place them in clean socks. Crattenmaker continued to comment. Again, a writer from USA Today. Washing someone's feet is an act best performed while kneeling, he says. And given the washer's position and the unpleasant appearance and the odor of a homeless person's feet, it's hard to imagine a more act, an act more humbling ever. The leaders of Bridgetown Ministry say, let us go out this evening and let us reflect Jesus as we wash feet. Tom Crattenmaker couldn't get beyond that. I want you to go and do likewise. Jesus, wash feet. And the clear message in John 13 is we are to be a people that gladly enter into, gladly enter into the humble service, glorifying God with our lives. We are to be a people who learn to go low. Because when we do, we love people to the full, like Christ loved us. We live as Christ lived. We show His love. We reflect Him. People draw near to Him. Lives are transformed. Jesus didn't ride in as conquering King on that Palm Sunday, but as humble king. I appreciate how Daryl Johnson titled one of his sermons reflecting on John 13. The title of the sermon was this, The King Whose Scepter Was a Towel. All his authority. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly why he came. He knew he was going to return to the Father. He knew his real place in heaven. And yet my scepter is a towel. And he loved him to the full. Do you understand what I'm doing for you? 
Go and do likewise. Wash each other's feet. And with that, verse 17 says, comes blessing upon us. I think blessing upon our soul. When we respond to Christ in obedience and we love like He did, there's blessing upon us. What a joy to be part of His kingdom work. Plan A. We don't want to be like James 1.22 says. Don't merely just listen to the Word and so deceive ourselves. Do what it says. You see, when we respond by doing, we are blessed. And so we gladly use our towels and we humbly go low and we serve others. And we let Christ be reflected in our lives. Are you willing to go low? You know, it was funny. I was between services. I was walking down this hallway right over here. And a guy came out of the bathroom and he dried his hands on my towel. <laughs> and at first I was kind of like, dude. And then I realized, you know what? This is exactly what it's for. Go low. Go low. Serve each other. Wash each other's feet. Let us gladly use our towels. The initial reading of John 13, you come away, you walk away with exactly that, right? Christ is a humble servant. And He serves. And and we need to do the same. And that's a good initial read. But I think it goes deeper. And it goes deeper as it deals with Peter's response when Jesus goes low and when he starts to love Peter by washing his feet, the text takes us to a deeper level, I think. Look again what it says, Peter's response. Starting in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part, no portion with me. And then then Peter said, Well, Lord, then, then my hands and my head wash everything. And Jesus answered, Those who've had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said, not every one of you is clean. Jesus even washed Judas's feet, didn't he? In that full extent of grace. Here's the next level reading, I think, of this. As the Lord wants to take us deeper. There's a... Theologian Karl Barth, credible, credible theologian. And he was invited to many lectures, distinguished leadership lectures, and he went to one in the East, gathered all these incredible minds, theologians from all around the world. And they said, Dr. Barth, will you tell us What is it, as you've come to study the Word, what is the most profound thing that you have come to know 
And he paused and he pondered. He says, this is the most profound thing I've come to know. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. The most profound thing that I know in all of my life is that Jesus loves me. Do you? Do you? Have you received that grace from Jesus? Do you truly know his love for you? I think Peter really struggles with knowing that Jesus loves him. I think Peter really struggles accepting accepting that he is acceptable to Jesus. Do you know that you are acceptable to Jesus? You may have a really messy life. You may have done things that you don't want anybody to ever know. But you know Jesus accepts you. And Peter wrestles with this. And you know what you and I do too. We think for some reason that God doesn't love us. Or that he won't accept us in the middle of our ick. And right in the middle of our sin, Christ died for us. Are you going to wash my feet? Basically, he's saying, there is no way in heck, Jesus, that you are going to wash my feet. I love Peter because he's so human, right? And he acts very much like you and I act. We're, We're always bouncing back and forth with our Lord in our response to him, our obedience to him. But I want you to understand, this isn't a statement that's like, oh no, woe is me, I'm not, I'm not worthy of washing of feet. It's actually a very prideful statement. It's a statement that will not receive the grace of Jesus here. It won't receive the washing of his feet. It's very similar to what happened in Matthew 16. Let me remind you of that passage. Jesus was showing his disciples he must go from Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and that he would be killed on the third day, and it would be killed, and then on the third day he would rise again. But what did Peter do? Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke Jesus, God in the flesh. Man, you are bold. He rebuked him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. You shall never do this. It will not happen to you. But do you remember how Jesus responded to that? Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. I think that's exactly what's happening in the upper room with Peter. His mind is on the things of men. I am part of this kingdom work. I want to be with a reigning king. And this is what it's going to look like. Peter had no room for a a Lord, a Messiah, who would bow down before him and wash his feet. He wouldn't take it. This is not the Messiah I want. We do that, don't we? Jesus, let me tell you how our relationship is going to look. Let me tell you what kind of Messiah you're going to be. 
See, when I do good things for my neighbor, I expect you to bless me here. This is the things I'll follow. These are the things I will not. And we tell Jesus how to be Jesus. That's what Peter's doing here, isn't he? This isn't the kind of Savior you're going to be. You'll never die on the cross. You're never to wash my feet. He will not receive Jesus' position as servant. He will not receive His grace. But the Lord is saying, you have to let me wash your feet, Peter, or you'll have no part of me. All of a sudden, it's this radical shift, right? Well, then all of me, and Peter did that all the time. Lord, he says later, I'll die for you. And then he betrays him. See, what Peter can't get is he can't just receive his love. With Peter, it's like, okay, well then, do wash all of me because I'm going to be part of your kingdom work and I will do for you, Jesus. But you will not do for me. I'm going to live out my life doing for you. But he keeps striving. And I think Jesus is trying to slow him down. Stop striving, Peter. Stop striving, dear saints. And just know that you are loved by Jesus. Will you accept his grace upon you? Will you accept that you are acceptable to him? Mike Iaconelli, one of the great spiritual leaders who, who led uh, youth specialties for years and years, and I was a youth pastor. I'd go and go to his conferences. He's a great leader. But he wrote an article about his journey of faith. And he wrote, you know what? In all of my years of ministering, I came to a place one day when I, when I really sat down and I realized, I don't believe, I don't believe that Jesus loves me. And it shook his faith. He goes, the only time I ever felt like God loved me, that Jesus loved me, was when I was doing for him, when I was doing the ministry. That's the only time I felt like he loved me. And he wrote, I had to learn to let Jesus wash my feet. You are acceptable to Jesus. You don't have to do for him. Just receive him and let him love you. That's the deeper level. Jesus says, you've had a bath, you just need your feet washed. You don't totally get it right now, but you will see the full extent of my love all the way to the cross. It's coming tomorrow. Ray Stedman says this, he says, in our journey of life, in our, in, our, in our Christian life, what happens is, is when we come to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, we are clean. We are clean. But the reality is, as we walk along the road of life, our feet get dirty. We gather sin along the way. And so our feet need to be washed. Daily grace poured out upon us. And Jesus says this, I just need to wash your feet. And then he says, you are clean. This threw me for a loop, actually, in my study of the scripture. I'm like, how can you say that, Jesus? You are clean. Let me point out some observations that I made in my study. 
Jesus switches gears. He's fully engaged with Peter right here. I need to wash you, but just your feet. Let me wash your feet. And he says, you are clean. Jesus switches gears in that statement. He goes from Peter, and then when he says, you are clean, he's talking about all the group. It goes plural. You are clean. But wait, how can they be clean? They haven't, they haven't come to know Jesus like we have. He died on the cross, and he's risen again. And, and that's what we know. We've received that. They haven't done that yet. How can they be clean? John 15, 3 gives us a great insight into how Jesus views the heart. In John 15, in, the, in, the, in a different context, he says, You are already clean. Why? Because of the word which I have spoken to you. And they believed it. You see, Jesus knows the heart of those who are his. And those disciples in that room, in that upper room, he knew his own. But there was one, Judas, who wasn't his own, who wasn't clean. And so he's speaking to his disciples, you are clean, but you need to let me wash your feet. You need to let me extend my grace to you. You are clean, but you have sin along the way. And you need to accept my forgiveness. Let me wash you. If we claim to be without sin, if we claim to say our feet aren't dirty, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and He will forgive our sins and He will purify us. Do you understand what I am doing for you? Yes. Humble servant, gladly entering in to a life of going low. Yes, but it goes deeper. Accept and receive my foot washing, my forgiveness, your need daily forgiveness. My ministry to you is my daily forgiveness of you. And therefore, I want you to grab your towels and I want you to wash each other's feet And what I mean in that is I want you to forgive one another because I have forgiven you. This is what brings life and healing. Forgive each other. Be a people who go low. It's humbling sometimes when you think you're right that you go low and you say, would you forgive me? When we do that, we wash each other's feet. And when we do that, we reflect the love of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, hearts are transformed. Do you understand what I'm doing for you? Then, dear saints, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your time in the upper room has impacted our lives. You imprinted your disciples and you have imprinted us as followers of you. And so, Lord Jesus, minister to us today. Forgive us, Father, when we don't receive your washing. Forgive us when we think that somehow we can do it on our own. And so, Father, this morning we receive you.
Thank you, Father, for cleansing us, for washing us. And empower us through your Holy Spirit to be a people who wash feet and who go low. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.